Take a seat, guys. Thank you very much, Catherine, Gideon. Thank you, Fano. What an awesome church. This is what a Fano. And uh, no my hurry my what that way to a tapu. Holy Spirit, come again. Open our ears. The Holy Spirit is just moving right now. And Catherine just called out people that had afflictions. You're already healed. Just move your body. You see, the lepers were already healed. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, we want to be healed. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. He told them to do something. Faith is an action. It's not just an attitude. And so as they went, as they're walking to the priest, they looked at their arms and said, hey, we're healed. They didn't realize that we're healed. Our, our, their sister had come up and testified about just sitting there. She didn't feel anything. But that pain going out of her tailbone, that was the pain. That was it leaving her. Okay? It, was, it was departing out of her. And, uh, and so the Lord has he's already... Uh, how many... Um, you receive Jesus into your heart. You know, you, you know you're forgiven of your sins. That they're blotted out. Your name's in the book of life. How many? How many know that? You know that you're forgiven and you're redeemed. Okay, you're not waiting to be forgiven, are you? You're not waiting for for redemption. You got it. You're in possession of it. That's called faith. Hope is something that's coming, but faith has it now. Eh? Say so, okay. So you carry that thought on. I'm not waiting to be forgiven. I am forgiven. You take that on into healing. I'm not waiting to be healed. I am healed. That's how Jesus worked. <laughs> That's how he rolled. He said to the man with the crooked with the back, he said, hey, pick up your bed and walk. Boom. People saw a cripple. Jesus said, no, you're healed. Pick up your bed and walk. He said to the man with the crippled hand, stretch out your hand. People saw a, a, a man with a cripple. Okay? And by his blood, you see, by his wounds, we were healed. Okay? And by his blood, we were forgiven. So the logic is, <laughs> the rationale is, we are already forgiven, those who have received it. We're already healed if you will just receive it. That's all you have to do, you have to receive it. You don't have to be holy enough. You don't have to be good enough because we're not good enough and we're not holy enough. He didn't save us, he didn't cleanse us because we were holy enough and good enough. He did because we weren't, that he was good enough for us. He just wants to heal people. Anyway, Holy Spirit, just have your way now. He just wants to heal people. You want healing? Anyone need healing in their body? Okay, would you just stand up where you are? I don't want to put you on spot. Just stand where you are. Just stand. If you're able to stand. <clears throat> Jesus. I'm not the healer. I'm just a hose. And when water flows through the hose, it gives life to the seed. It's the water, not the hose. So I'm just a vessel. Please don't look to me because I, I can't do nothing. I can't give you nothing. Without Jesus, I'm nothing. He's everything. And if I can get you to look to Jesus, and if I can get you to draw near to him and to his presence, he's the one that does it right now. Hallelujah. Now, he's already done it, but I, want, I need you to activate what he's already done. I want you to experience that. So I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you just to, I don't know, uh, maybe just um, 
lean your head and lean into the presence of God. Or just bow your head before the presence of Jesus. That's all you need to do. Is that it? Easy, eh? Okay, yeah. bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Waiting not for him to come, just waiting on, waiting in his presence. He said, don't do it yet, so I'm not going to do it yet. Uh, just uh, close your eyes, guys. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Not even on your healing. Don't turn your eyes on your healing. Just turn your eyes on Jesus. The one who forgave you. The one who took your sin. The one who healed you. The one who hung on a cross. and He was in excruciating physical pain. He's traumatized. He had deep, deep darkness and depression. He carried the weight of the world, the weight of sin for you, for you. And he cried out, Father, it is finished. The debt, the debt is, is canceled. He did it for you. And that debt was not just your sin, but every curse. And by his wounds, you were healed. He has already destroyed the works of the devil. That's why it's manifested. He's destroyed that work of the devil over you. So I just agree with Jesus, and I decree that he's already destroyed that work over you. Hallelujah. Can we just worship him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, just sing it slow. Just walk with them. Don't run. Worshipping him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. There's a liquid fire going through your body. Liquid fire. Liquid fire. Like liquid fire. Burn up that diabetes. Burn up that sugar diabetes right now. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Arthritis leaves now in the name of Jesus. I give you in that little toe right now. Yes, yes, Lord. Just keep worshiping, keep worshiping. Thank you, Jesus. And that Achilles, thank you, Jesus. You've healed that. Strengthen those bones. Strengthen those muscles. Lift up those hands that hang down. Lift up those feeble knees. That strength going through knees now. Oh, those knees, those rheumatoid arthritis leaving. Pain in your body. Those injuries, that back injury. Thank you. All this Fuego, Espirito Santos, the fire of the Holy Spirit. I give you praise, Jesus. 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 Fine, if you're waiting for me to lay hands on you, you'll be waiting a long time. Um, I, I very rarely do that because the Holy Spirit heals without me. And, and, and because he's trying to teach us, the body of Christ in this nation. Oh, well, I think he's trying to teach us this. One of the things he's trying to teach us, many things, but it is to reach out to him. That the, don't, look to, don't look to the superstar thing. Don't worship ministry or ministers. Don't look to them. Look to Jesus. It's all right to honor them, but not, not to look to them for your salvation. Okay, how many? Just move your body right now. Just move your back. Rave your arm. 
someone there with your ankles, just t- uh, stand on your toes, you'll find strength there, and uh, just do that now, because faith is a action, okay, faith is an action, stretch out your hand is an action, but their act of faith, the power got released, okay, those of you have already, it's already, the healing's taken place, just indicate to me, just, you feel that that's left, you just raise your hand, wave at me please, wave at me please, wave at me please, uh, who was, yeah, and you're sitting down, <laughs> bless you, bless you, so isn't that God, okay, okay, yeah, okay, all right, Feel it, bro. I'm going to lay my hand on you, and that's all I'm going to do. It's going to be one touch, okay? It's not going to be a long, long, drawn-out prayer waiting for you to catch it. Or not. It'll happen the moment I touch you. And you might feel it, you may not, but it says, the moment I lay hands on you, Jesus said one thing. Do you know what he said in Mark 16, 70? That the believers will lay hands on the sick, and they will get worse. <laughs> they will recover, okay? So you put your faith in that word. Not me. That's his word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you'll recover. Okay? Tahirua Toru, lean forward. Recovery. Okay, everyone else, would you just, on the count of three, just, just bow your head before the presence of Jesus. One, two, three. There you go. There you go. Oh, isn't that? Who's got that oil all over there? That's just oil flowing down. It's like oil. Can you feel that? Who's feeling that oil? Yeah? Jesus, that's the oil of gladness. Oh, Jesus. It's, that's the uh, oil of joy. And that's uh, this, the, the garment of praise. Just begin to praise God in your heart. The garment of praise is a spirit of heaviness coming off right. Just begin to praise God in your heart, whoever that is. As a garment of praise, he's exchanging praise for that heaviness. Get rid of the heaviness by beginning to receive the praise, the heaviness will leave. Who is that? There's a spirit of heaviness just come off the back of your neck right now. You know, just feel it. Just wave at me, indicate to me. Please, I need I need response. I need response. That's you, darling. Thank you, Jesus. Someone at the back, God bless. So I'm gonna go around and just touch you and you 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 take hold of Mark sixteen seventeen. Recover. <laughs> Recover. Recover. Hey. Recover. Recovery in Jesus' name. Recovery in Jesus' name. Recovery in Jesus' name. Can I just squeeze along here, guys? Sorry about this. Recovery in Jesus' name. Recovery in Jesus' name. No worries, bro. No worries. Recovery in Jesus' name. Recovery in Jesus' name. Not only recovery of, of the body, but healing in the soul. Healing in the hininaro and the tinana, tahirua toru. Days of weeping are over. Excuse me. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Recover in Jesus' name. Could you come on out, out, out of your aisle and I'll lay hands on it. It'll be easier for me than going down there. Recover in Jesus' name. I'm just doing what Jesus said. You lay hands on the sick days who believe and they will recover. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. You guys coming out this way, are you? No? <coughs> Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. <coughs> 
recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over here. Kia ora, guys. Recover in Jesus' name. Saw the head bit in this. <laughs> Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. <coughs> Away. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Recover in Jesus' name. Hold your hand out, bro. Recover in Jesus' name. All through your bones. Strength of God. Strength of God. Strength of God. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Bless you. Wow. It's got really quiet, eh? Recover in Jesus' name. Recovery in Jesus' name. I pray for a lady up at the hospital. Yep, I see. Prayed for a lady up at the hospital. She is dying of pancreas cancer. She only had uh, days to live. She's um. The 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 wards made up like a mirage. So the whanau was sleeping over. Funerals arranged. She's in her seventies. She said, "I've just retired. And I was going to go on a world holiday." So well. You're going somewhere better than that now? Hey, she says, yeah, she's a tough old boo. She is on uh, pain threshold number 10. She's like an intravenous morphine, lying on a bed, hooked up. I said, um, oh, well, I'll have a cut of gear. I'm out of here. So I had a prayer, just did what I'm doing to you guys, laid hands on her, said recover in Jesus' name and left. She didn't tell me till two weeks later. This is what happened. This is the behind the story. So I want to say, share this to encourage you. You don't have to wait till you feel something. But she said something happened. I didn't feel anything. <laughs> she said um, all the pain went after weeks of pain. It left instantly. So she said to the nurse, I'm going to have a shower. And they went to help her on the bed. She said, I don't need your help. She jumped out, had a shower. Two days later, she's discharged. She went and had a biopsy on the Thursday. So this was a Sunday night. Thursday, she went to Waikato, got a biopsy, came back. On Friday, the surgeon, the anaesthetist, the palliative care, the nurses, they, they were all standing like an inquisition to see her as she walked in with her son. Now, her son's a cop, so he told me this. He said, we sat down, and the surgeon had two lots of x-rays, and he's looking at one and the other, and he's shaking his head. He says, how are you feeling? He says, she says, I'm great. He said, oh, that's good. See, this just this, the, a few days before, she was on the deathbed. And he says, we don't understand that the biopsies come back from Waikato and we, the biopsy and, and the x-ray. The x-ray shows no sign. Here's the x-ray before, full of pancreas. The cancer, the pancreas is full of cancer, inoperable. And here's the new scans. It's completely gone. And the biopsy shows there's no trace of cancer in your body. Completely healed. Just by touch. Just So it's the law of contact and transmission. If you uh, take your bowl well, No? Why? Could I get one of you to stick your finger in it? No? Why? You can't see anything? You can't see anything coming out of it? What would happen if you touched it? 
You can't see it, but there's a transference, the law of contact and transmission. So when, when I touch you, when I touch you, boom! Okay? It doesn't take five minutes for that transmission. Electricity is boom. God's power is faster than any electricity, okay? It's the law of contact and transmission in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're healed, darling. Contact and transmission. <coughs> contact and transmission. And um, for many people, your healings, your miracle doesn't come the way you think. God does it his way. Okay, and, and that's the problem. Sometimes we lock God on how he's going to do it. He doesn't do it our way because God's going to do it his way. And God's about to do something in this church, and it's not exactly going to be the way you think it's going to be. Because God, you can't put him in a box, he'll jump out. They tried putting him in a box for a few hundred years, but he jumped out of it. It's called the tabernacle. <laughs> you can't put him in a box. He lives in you now. He lives in us. Oh, he wants to, um, he wants to hit your streets. He's hearing the cries of Christchurch, and they've reached his ears, the Lord of the Sabaoth, the Lord of the angels. And uh, he's looking for people who will go to the cries coming out of your street. There's smoke coming out of your city. You can't see it with this eye, but you can see it with the spirit. And that smoke is incense. And it's the cries of the broken. It's not just the, the worship that came out of here tonight. He loves that. That's, that's a beautiful smell. The smell of your worship. The, the, the incense he listens to. <clears throat> but, you know, the incense he listens to more. I believe it's the cry of the broken because their prayer is like incense also. And he smells that and there's pain in that. And he wants his people to respond to that cry. Now, some of us have to get over our spiritualizing. You can all sit down now, guys. Have to get over over spiritualizing. I hear, oh, well, if God wants me to, if the Holy Spirit tells me to, I'll go to church this morning. If, if the Holy Spirit tells me to, well, I'll go to work this morning. And, you know, that, that terminology is really just a cop-out. Really, all it is is a cop-out of taking responsibility, of just taking your God-given responsibility. Get the flippin' work. <laughs> go to church. If the Holy Spirit wants me, if he wills, the Holy Ghost is not like that. You should, we should know already, according to his scriptures, what God requ what he requires of us. Do not neglect the fellowshipping together as is the habit of some. some. You, you read the word and the Holy Spirit confirms the word. And so I've heard Christians say, well, if the Holy Spirit wants me to, we'll reach out to the lost. Get a life. <laughs> there is people in our streets in Gisborne not starving, but hungry because they've got no money and they're going to have enough money. And we, I used to have prayer meetings in my church praying for the people down the street who got no money and no kai, no food. And the Lord, he says, stop doing that. That is just, stop doing that. Stop praying and go and do something for these people. And I'll read to you from the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 54, uh, verse 10. If you pour out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, if you pour out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your darkness will be as uh, the dawning of the new day. 
and you will be like a well-watered garden whose waters fail not. And you will be called the restorer of the streets that the people dwell in. And you'll raise up the former foundations of the broken generations. He said, if you will pour out your soul, if you will go, pour out your soul to the broken and restore. So I got this. I says, guys, there's people in the street and God wants to restore their lives. And we are the restorers of the streets. And so how are we going to do that? And the Lord says, you don't go preaching to them. Knock on their doors and ask them what you can do for them. Don't preach down to them. You just go and be Jesus to them. And take some food parcels, especially for those who need food. And so we started knocking on doors. Every month we knock on 50 doors per neighborhood. And say, kia ora, we're from House of Breakthrough Neighborhood Support. And we're here to see if we can help you with any needs, how to make your day even better. Do you have any needs in your household? Can we clean up your backyard, clean up your rubbish, food parcels, counseling, addiction counseling, budgeting advice? Can we help you with anything? And they would say, how much is that? I says, nothing. It's free. Why is it free? Are you from social services? No, we're from the House of Breakthrough Neighborhood Support Systems. We're the church. What? It's amazing. There's a church out there who wants to help us? Now, we hear that often. There's a church out there. And, and so we started doing, is anyone here need a, need a prayer? Oh, we're standing on the doorsteps, just weeping. We say, and we say, is anyone here need a, need a prayer? Oh, Granny, come on out. And Granny comes out. Yeah, I think Nanny needs a prayer. So we have a cut of care and her leg straightens out and she's healed. And do you know what? As we started hitting the streets, taking Jesus to the streets, not praying about the streets, but going to the streets and not praying for the hungry, but taking food to the hungry, not, not praying about clothing the naked, but taking clothing to those who need clothing. As we started doing it, action, hooey, not hooey, hooey, but doey, doey, doing what Jesus was doing, doing it as I said, pour out your soul to the hungry, pour out your, 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 your being to them and your light would rise in obscurity. As a result of that, Hundreds of people started coming to church. I mean, hundreds of people. I mean, all around town, this is the church that cares for people. I even had a reporter come to me and says, is it true you offer help for people? You offer food parcels for nothing? I says, yes, it's true. Is it true, she said, to be tell people that they don't have to be poor? I said, of course it's true. You think God wants people to be poor? So we teach people how to use their money, how to invest, and how to get ahead in life. She said, my grandmother would turn over in a grave. She thought purity was, was poor, uh, being poor. I said, well, she didn't know the Bible. She didn't. <laughs> she said, can I come to your church? and have a She came to our church, took photos of the church, and, and did a big article in the newspaper, four, uh, two big pages, color of, and she called our church uh, Brother Love. <laughs> what am what I talking about? I'm talking about, um, so hundreds of people came. Now, and so there were people sitting in that audience, and uh, and I told the people when we first came to Gisborne, it wasn't all yeah, you know, it wasn't all um, beer and skittles. It wasn't all just harmony. It was. <coughs> I came to a city that I thought I had a job, and I applied for the job. They said, "Yeah, you and three hundred others, you're on the waiting list, mate." I said, "I was told I'm going to get a job." He says, "No, there's no job here." So me and Jess had a knock on. We, we applied for seventy jobs over two weeks just to get money to provide so we could live. So we can start a church in Gisborne. And some of you might say, well, well, if God sent you, why would that happen? This is the thing. 
You've got to get your eyes off the why and your eyes on the who. Because so many Christians, even here, there are people here, and, and, and you're struggling with following Jesus because you're focused on the why. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God give me a husband? Why did God let my loved one die? And if you focus on your why, it's going to take your eyes off the who. You've got to keep your eyes on the who. It might sound that's harsh. No, I'm going to tell you, it's not harsh. It's how much you love him more than yourself. And so I was talking to the church and I said, look, our, our car got stolen after three, three months. In the city. Our car got stolen. Who would steal a Mark IV Cortina? Had to be a Maori. <laughs> it was. Who would steal that? And they stole it. And they took the plugs out and the wheels off and they sold them and they, and they wrote it off. So I was telling the church about this. And I said, so we bought another car with the insurance money, which wasn't much. The other car was a bit of a dunger, but it was, it was okay. And uh, within a couple of weeks, that car was written off by a maniac driver. He slammed into the back of me, wrote that car off. I said, oh, come on, Lord. How am I going to get around? And so we bought another car. It was even more of a dunger with holes in it and primer all over it. But it couldn't go, man. It was, it was a blue business, and it had a two-liter motor. Boom, we got a motor, bro. But it looked like a, oh, it was a pretty huckery. And... Uh, so this is the call of God. All these stuff happens. Our house got our sleeper, our son's sleeper got, got uh, burgled within a few weeks, uh, months of us being there. Catch my lambskin. <laughs> so the sleeper got burgled. Burglars came, ripped off our... S- <laughs> Stop at the name of the Lord. <laughs> trade me bro <laughs> so all these negative things happening so there's a guy sitting in the crowd and, and I'm talking about our car got stolen this fella's sitting there and he's freaking out and he said can I talk to you I said yeah bro he said um, uh, what was your car I said Mark 414 two tone he said oh he said sorry bro that was me and my gang we stole your car and then he stepped back <laughs> he thought I was going to hook him <laughs> boom <laughs> he stepped back and I laughed. I said, bro, we prayed. Whoever's converted our car, you convert them. I said, tell me the story. What happened? He says, well, we, we stole the car. I says, I'm amazed you could drive it because angels watch over my car. He says, that's funny. We were driving down the road and, and a light came on the car from up in the sky. And we thought, there's no, hel- no police chopper here. And we looked up and there's a light coming out of the sky. And we freaked out. So we took it to the beach and we ditched it there because we got spooked. And... Uh, and he said, we sold the rims to a family down in Wairua and uh, to another family. We sold some other parts to another family. And they are all in our church. They all got to say, they're all part of our church. I didn't know this. They were all in the church. I said, what? You, you, you butchered my car and you sold it. And they all got saved as a result of stealing our car. And, um, and he says, yeah, I'm so sorry. His name is Cooper. Cooper, at the time he told me this, he was one of our, part of our car security in our car park, in our church car park. <laughs> Here's just one story of hundreds of, of, of testimonies. He's one of hundreds that came to Jesus because we poured out our soul to the hungry. We got off our butts and stopped praying for the hungry and the poor, and we went to them. Literally, face to face. And that's what Jesus says, Go. Mark 16, 17, Jesus says, these signs will follow them who believe. Are you a believer? When is the last time you cast a demon out? 
Sweet ass. <laughs> Shut up, big mouth. <laughs> For those who are not in full-time ministry, those who are not... Okay. It says... It says that you'll speak in other tongues. Who, who speaks in other tongues? Okay, though, we, we've got a warmth here. It says you'll take up serpents, and if you drink anything, poison will not harm you. Okay, that's a different. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and they got better? Okay, so not many. Not many. Not even 1% in this church. And, and you're a believer. And Jesus said these signs will follow you. Why aren't they following you? I'll tell you why. Because many of you have never been trained how to release the healing presence of God. Can we put that PowerPoint up of our warrior activist course, if, if we've got it on, please? So I'm coming back next week for those who couldn't come to the Sons Conference. I'm coming back for the hungry. I'm coming back only for hungry Christians. And you're more hungry for more, for more of God, but you don't want the hooey-hooey, you want the dewey-doo. You want to know not just how to carry the presence, you want to know how to release the presence. This is called warrior activist course. You'll learn how to release the supernatural, how to prophesy anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I'll show you how to look at somebody and hear the thoughts of God for them. Would you love that? Jesus would love that. Holy Spirit would love that. And the people who are broken in the streets, they would love that. It's not just in church. It's when you step outside of the walls of the house. The church is awesome. I love it. You'll learn how to free yourself from past unresolved trauma and trauma. That's some of the reasons so many people over-spiritualize things because they haven't got over their unresolved trauma or their grief and there's stuff in there that makes them act like that and they've got insecurity and they haven't found their significance in Jesus. It's in what they do for Jesus, but it's not in relationship out of Jesus. And so they're always trying to perform and always try to tell you the latest thing that God's just done through them because they're insecure and Jesus wants to heal their broken hearts. So I teach how he heals those broken hearts. If that's you, you need to come. Um, it, experience daily God encounters. I teach the seven steps of a priest and so much more. So it's two days from 9.30 to 3.30, then 7.30 to 9.30 for two days. Thursday 29th, uh, Friday 29th, and Saturday the 30th of September next month. Anyone want to go? Want to join? I only do 20 people at a time. I think I'm half full now. Probably only seats for places for 20 people. Here's the kicker. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars, or hundreds probably, traveled the world. I've sat under great men and women. I've learned how to carry and release the presence of God. Okay, money's no object to me. I seek first the kingdom. So if it costs me five grand to go somewhere and to spend time in a nation, sitting there learning and equipping myself, upskilling myself in the spirit, money's nothing to me. 5K is nothing to sit under an apostle and learn how to see cancers dissolve. Is it worth it? Yeah. So I'm not going to charge you five grand, but it costs 400 bucks per person, okay? It's probably all lost half of you already now. But, uh, but you know, th this isn't a game. You're not, learning, you're not learning tricks. You're learning how to release the presence of God. And it's the difference between life and death. That lady I talked about in the hospital, she was dying. She was dying. It was what I released upon her, Jesus' presence. It was the difference between her life and her death. They received back a nanny. They received back a mother. They receive back a, a, an auntie, okay? So if you're really hungry for God and you say, I want more of you, Jesus, well, put your money where your mouth is, okay? So many Christians are going to want to do the God's going to move. God, God ain't going to move unless you move, bro. Yeah. Mark 16, 17, 18, you know, I've already said that they'll, these signs follow those who believe. Verse 20, then it says, they went out 
and they preached the word everywhere, and God worked with them and confirmed their word with signs and wonders. So they went out. When they moved, God moved with signs and wonders. When they don't move, God can't move. Can you get this principle? When God's people move, God moves through them. When God's people don't move, God can't move. And so many Christians are praying, God, please move, please move. And God's looking down the earth, church, please move, please move. God, there's a neighborhood down the street, there's a gang down the street, please move upon them. He says, why don't you move upon them and go down there and do something for them? God, there's hungry people They've lost their jobs. They need food. Please help them. Why don't you take some kai out of your kitchen, out of your cupboards, and go down and give them something? It's simple. Don't over-spiritualize your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ. Don't over-spiritualize all this stuff and have pie in the sky. Mate, I want plate on the steak. People need plate on the steak right here in this world. All right? Steak on the plate. <sighs> I want to, our, our, our nation needs a real Jesus. They need the Jesus they can see, feel, and touch. What does hope look like? The, my worst month was I had 30, 20 suicide call-outs in one month. Five in one, one weekend. One was a guy who had the rope, rope around his neck, and the marks are still there. And they, she got him, the wife got him just before he died. And he's sitting next to me with his head down and just weeping, just tears pouring out of him. And he's so hurt by something that's happened, he wants to kill himself. And I began to tell him about Jesus. I began to tell him about the destiny God had for him. I began to tell him, you're a good fella. But you've got to get over that stuff. You've got to get over yourself, bro. Because God's got something greater for you. You're a dad. You're a husband. And God will help you get over it and... and, and and he changed. He lifted his head up. And he, you know, what does hope look like? If somebody's got their head down and they're dying or they're crying or they're in pain or they had a breakup and they want to commit suicide, what does hope look like? Take a look at the person next to you. That's hope. You're the hope that Jesus would send. You're their hope. You're their hope. He's the hope of glory in us. So what does hope look like to that guy? Me. I was hope for him. Imagine if you, you're uh, over yourself and you, wanna, you just want to die and you've got your head down you're looking at the ground and you see two feet appear and you look up, you follow those feet, you look up and you see this person looking at you and say, who are you? And he says, I'm hope. God sent me. I'm hope. Hey, it's Jesus, man. What does hope look like? Look in the mirror. Look in your neighborhood. So many insecure Christians are looking for a platform to display their gift. Look at me. All glory to Jesus. Look at me. All glory to Jesus. Look. It's not about you. Jesus ain't here to promote you, your ministry, or your kingdom. He's here to promote, Holy Spirit's here to promote Jesus. He's here to promote Jesus. It's about lifting up Jesus. So that people see Jesus in you. They'll be drawn to Jesus in you. And our, your community, your, your city, man, I'd have a ball here. It's easy to reach your people. It's as easy as that. I'm, 
I could take you out tomorrow under the streets, door to door, and you will see people getting saved every day. Yeah. And that's why I train people how to get out and take Jesus. And it's simple. It's just feed the poor, feed the hungry. And be Jesus, and it opens up their hearts. And we, we keep going back. Every month we keep going back. How are you doing? You guys okay? We, we just, we're like a pig dog, man. We're just going to hang on to them and with love and love until we can help them and until they come to Jesus. Even if, even if they don't come to Jesus, we still look after them. We still look after our people. We don't love people just because they become Christians. We don't love people when they become Christians. And we don't love people when they come into church. We love them while they're up to their neck in sin. <laughs> just like Jesus. <laughs> We love non-Christians. Actually, some of them are easier to love than Christians. <laughs> Don't let your why distract you from the who. Job was a good man. Job was an amazing guy. But, um, and he loved God so much, that God loved him so much, that God began to boast about Job to Satan. He said, you see my, my, my son Job, he is too mecky, that fella. He just loves me to the max. And the devil says, yes, skin for skin. You touch what he loves, and we'll see how much he loves you. And the Lord allowed Satan to touch Job. And after that, you know, that process of the Satan touching, touching Job, Job still did not sin, and he honored God. He gets, blessed be the Lord who gives, blessed be the Lord who takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Satan, God said to Satan, now do you see? He loves me more than he loves himself. That's the love of God. How would you, I'd love to have an attitude like Job. You? Yeah. I used to read that and say, Far, I wish I could be, I, I'd love to be like that. But I don't want the Job experience. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I want to have the attitude. I want to be like that to you. But please, don't kill any one of my family. Don't give me scabs. Please. Joseph had a strong call on his life. He had, a, he had a, a dreams. He's going to be somebody with a big calling in the earth. <clears throat> and he told his parents and he told his brothers and they said, who do you think you are, big head? All your big dreams? They, he, they were offended at Joseph's revelation and it was from God. Job ne uh, Joseph never fulfilled his calling to 13 years later. He had to go through a time of breaking and humility. And Joseph went to, to Egypt and he's in a prison, and he is in the prison. He went from the prison to the palace. People say overnight. No, it wasn't overnight. It was 13 years. It was a process of 13 years of, of pain and, and, and struggle and suffering that he went through. But he kept his heart sweet to God. He didn't take his eyes off the who by looking at the why am I here, Lord? Why has this happened to me? Why did you prophesy something's going to happen? And why did that, that woman blame me for raping her? And why am I in this prison? And why this and why that? But he didn't focus on his way. He focused on the who loved him. He focused on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his forefathers. And he said, I love you. I'll keep my... So when you go through a storm, you've got to have a reference point. If you're in Paris... Anyone been to Paris? Oh, yeah, well, skites, put your hand down. We were, we were, monsieur, sacre bleu. There's a lot of poodles over there, I hear. Dead joke. So if you're in the city and, and you're lost, 
but you close, you know, you, the, the Eiffel Tower is there. If you look for the Eiffel Tower, there's your reference point. Oh, okay, that's where I, this is where I must be. That's where the Eiffel Tower is. I must be due east or whatever. So it's a reference point. I'm just talking about reference points. You've got to have a reference point in life. If you're going through life as a Christian, but you've got no goals, you've got nothing. You're just living day by day. Uh, it's a boring life. But if you follow Jesus, that's not boring. He'll get you to step out of your boat all the time. Yeah? And if you're going through a time of struggle, and there are people who are going through a time of struggle, get your reference point. Keep your eyes on Jesus like Peter did when he walked on the water. Keep looking at him. Don't look at the waves around you because they'll swallow you up. Keep your reference point. Look at the who, not the wise. This is speaking to people here. Keep your eyes on the who, not on the wise. Why is this not happening? Why is this happening? Why did that happen to them and not to me? Why? Get your eyes off the why because the why will kill you. The why are the waves that Peter looked at. And he went down. But when he took his eyes back on Jesus, he was able to walk upon the impossibilities of life. Keep your eyes on the who, not on the whys. <clears throat> Luke uh, 14, 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count whether he's got count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. So if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to get serious with Jesus, and it's all very well to love Jesus in, a, in, a, in an environment of worship, and I love that. I, I love being with God's people. I love the corporate worship of the, of the saints of God. We're going to be doing this for eternity, and we're getting practice down here. That's awesome. I'm not against that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But there's no cost to do that. There's no sacrifice to stand here tonight and worship Jesus. <coughs> nice seats, air conditioning. Fury lights. Well, probably. <laughs> we might have, we've got a few airy furies here as well. Probably. <laughs> Technology. Wow, look at that. There's no sacrifice. There's no cost. There's no price. I hope you're not playing. I'm, I, I've only started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Background music. Background music. <laughs> I get caught in hell, hell holes, and it stinks. And there's open sewers, and there's people dying of diseases on the streets. And, and I pay to go there. I pay thousands of dollars to go there, to be among the broken and the hurting and the oppressed and the demon-possessed. I love it. And it cost me something to pour out and give hope. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, can we put the first PowerPoint up, please? <laughs> I've only got three. So. Oh, so this mother handed me this little baby. The baby had no consciousness. The baby was dying. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I've got lots of fancy prayers, but they don't work. <laughs> only Jesus works. I didn't have a fancy prayer. So I just held the baby up and says, God! Nick, minute. Bye. His little eyes open. Just like that. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. You say, oh, you've got great faith, Pastor. No, nah, I don't. If I had great faith, I wouldn't have said, God! If I had great faith, I would say, he's healed. But back then, I didn't. I'm learning. 
But what I did was I had a simple act of obedience. That's all it takes, Whanau. It's just a simple act of obedience. Crawl out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord. <sighs> he counted the cost. You're going to follow him? You're going to, follow, you're going to bring Jesus to Christchurch? I mean, he's here, but are we going to release his presence into Christchurch? Are you willing to pay the price to do that? It's going to inconvenience you. It's a ministry of inconvenience. <laughs> okay? So it means we have to get off our nice plush seats, our nice firm butts, <laughs> and go out and go to places where maybe we don't want to go and take our love where it's never been before to love a people that we don't even know. And those are scary people. But, you know, if you don't take your love or your faith where it's never been before, you're not going to see God move through you in a way you've never experienced before. God will only move in the proportion of the faith and the love that you have to, to the realms that you operate in. He won't move any further than where you are. Peter could sit in the boat as well with the other, tw uh, other 11. But Peter decided to take his faith and step out of the boat and go where his faith had never taken him before. As a result, he experienced God do something he never experienced before. Are you willing to experience it? Do you want to experience something God you've never experienced in God before? Do you want to see God move like you've never seen him get before in your life? <sighs> it means you've got to take your faith somewhere then. You've got to take it out. <sighs> anyway, come into a close. Don't keep your eyes on your why because it'll rob you from looking to the one, the who, the one's worthy. So we go to Gisborne. God called us. Great call. But everything goes wrong. <laughs> Everything's going. looks like it's going wrong. Car's stolen. Next car's written off. Next, uh, sleep out's burgled. Uh, uh, no job. So many negatives. But the positives were every Sunday people were getting saved. Not just Sunday, through the week people were getting saved. Demons were being cast out and people's bodies were being healed. And the church just keep growing and growing and growing. So you might have had all the sacrifice, but look at all the fruit that was coming out. You want to see more fruit in your life? Oh, no. <laughs> Please. Be an African church. Just fake it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> You do. Your spirit does. Your spirit. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Well, be prepared to pay a price. Count the cost. Be prepared to be inconvenienced. Be prepared to take your nice, little, warm, comfortable, maybe shallow faith into the deep. Into the deep. And then you will see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then you will see the God of miracles. Then you will see the God of the impossible make move through you, as you just do what is possible. There's a lot of whys that have come to me and Jess over the years, over the decades, actually. But listen to this, Philippians 1.29. For you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ. It sounds good, doesn't it? To you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ. So what's this goodie that's coming our way? It's been granted to us, something Christ has granted to us. What could this be? It's, is it a pavel over? Is it a sponge? Is it KFC? What has this been granted on behalf of Christ to us from Christ? Can't wait to hear. What is it, Lord? For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him. Oh, yeah, we love to believe in you. We sing to you. We're rocking it, Jesus. But also to suffer for his sake. What? what? No, hang on. Suffer? Yeah. It's been granted to suffer for Jesus. What a... The greatest privilege for you and I on earth is to suffer for Jesus. 
and it's going over your head at the moment, but it will sink. The greatest privilege you're ever going to have in this lifetime is to suffer for Jesus. It doesn't mean you have to go around looking for suffering and looking like Job and holding your bottom lip down. It doesn't mean that God wants you to suffer all through your life. But there are moments in your service unto the Lord, it's going to cost you something. There are times in your walk with Jesus where you're going to have to go through the valley of suffering, but that's part of the call. And if you see that as something painful or something terrible, I used to, I thought, oh no, I hate James. James says, count it all joy when you go through various trials and temptations. I said, that guy's crazy. I don't count it joy. I said, get me out of this pain, God, deliver me. But now I know what he means. Because me and Jess, we've been through a valley and we've been through a fire and we've been through a suffering. We've lost so much. And we either had to look at the why or look at the who. As we kept our eyes on the who, we realized to suffer for him is an honor. Even if it hurts like hell, it's an honor because it brings glory to Jesus. Not when I go to heaven, it brings glory to Jesus. Am I living? By the way, I live my life now. I'm a living sacrifice to him. That's the price to fulfill the call, suffering. That's the hidden little part that we don't look at. We look at all the glory, all the healings, all the miracles, all the souls, all the victories, all the successes, all the salvations, all the great mountaintop times. But you've got to go have to go through the valleys to get the mountains and valleys, get the mountains. Jesus never had a, a smooth life, neither did either the disciples. And if you want to do something great for God, it's not going to be a smooth life. It's going to be up and down. <clears throat> it's an altar call to those who want to be martyrs, in a, in a, figuratively speaking. Maybe not. <laughs> and so, so I've prayed for thousands of people over the decades. And one of the things I see healed um, amazingly is stage four cancers. Just boom, boom, boom. Like the lady, the pancreas, gone, gone, gone. It's wonderful. God is awesome. I love him for that. That's one of the things I love him for. <laughs> but one day, a couple of years ago, our son caught incurable, inoperable. was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer. Incurable, inoperable. So when we heard that news, I said, nah, no way. That's not God's will. Because I know the will of God, and I know the word of God, and I've got the, he's given me a gift of healing. I said, no way. So we're, no way, it's not going to happen. And so we prayed for our son. And we prayed, and we prayed every week, every day, every week, every month. We kept praying and praying and praying. And instead of him getting better and better, he got worse and worse and worse. And the wise began to call. The wise began to speak. We had to keep our eyes on the who. In the midst of that time, one of our, two of our pastors nearly died. One fell off a roof, face first into the concrete. And when I got to him, I thought his back's broken, or he's dead, or his back's broken. There's blood coming out of his ear and out of his nose, and his spirit was groaning. I could hear his spirit coming out of his body. And I just cried out, Jesus. And God restored the guy. He brought him back to life, so to speak, and within three weeks, he is discharged from hospital, good as new. There's another pastor in India, and I was running at four in the morning, and his son had a, 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 video, a video of his dad lying in a hospital bed. I thought he was dead. I said, oh, no, I'm all faithed out, mate. Please, God, don't let him die. We've already gone through enough hell. And I says, Lord, I got nothing in me. I'm just going to breathe on this. Mic. I'm going to breathe into the phone, and your breath of life better go through him. If I'm not carrying your breath, then nothing's going to happen. I says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And as I looked at that on that phone, I looked at my son, and his little eyes opened, 
and his skin color began to change before my eyes. The sons told me later on, Father, when you prayed in New Zealand, we felt the presence of God walk into the room. And, and that guy's made a complete recovery. And we saw cancers healed in this time that our son was dying. But our son has never got healed. And in the end, our son died. In spite of bringing, trying to bring him back and so forth, he died. Of course, it broke our hearts. Of course, I had it out with God. What's going on? Why? 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 The last few hours of my son's death, I was in his room. And as I was standing there, the Lord reminded me of in heaven, there are 24 elders. Now, they used to be human beings like you and me. And they're seated on thrones around the throne of God. I don't know who these dudes are, but they're pretty hardcore. They must have done something amazing for God, eh? To not only sit on a throne, but to have a crown and to sit next to the throne of God himself. Would you agree? So they're in heaven. In heaven, there's no resistance. Just say, no resistance. There's no pain. Say, no pain. There's no sorrow. So in heaven, you cannot give God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice is something that costs you. A sacrifice is where there's pain involved. In heaven, there's no pain. There's no resistance. So you, you can praise. You understand praise in heaven. You're going to give God worship in heaven and obedience, but you, it's not a sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you catch it? You're tracking? You cannot give, bring God a sacrifice in heaven. You can only bring a sacrifice to God on this, in this earth while you're a human. You with me? So when you go to heaven, you're not going to have the opportunity to bring sacrifice of praise to him anymore. It's over forever. And the angels start worshiping. They get off their thrones, and they lie on their stomach, and they take their crowns, their achievements that they did for God, and they throw them before the throne. And they say, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. They don't take any credit or any glory for the crown or for their position. Because that's the closest they can sacrifice to God. And it's not even a sacrifice for them. Because they are saying, everything I did for you on the earth, Lord, this crown represents your grace. It was you that gave me the ability to serve you and to accomplish things for you. And it's you that gave me the, the strength to do what I did while I was on the earth, to sit on a throne with the crown today. It was you, 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 all you, Jesus, and all glory goes to you. But that's the closest they can get to sacrificing in heaven. It's not even a sacrifice. You're with me. Hey, just look, visualize, look into heaven, see these guys. Hey! So I'm in the room with my son. And I didn't realize, but in three hours, he's on the earth. And I made my mind up and I saw these elders in heaven. What am I going to do on the earth? Am I going to give praise to Jesus I'm going to keep my eyes on the who. Oh, I'm going to moan and groan and say, Lord, you healed this man, you healed this one, and you, you, why not my son? Why, why, why? Am I going to do the why, or am I going to focus on the who? And I realized that, and the, whole, and the Lord said to me, Son, you will never have this opportunity again. This is a once in your lifetime. Your son will never die again. You'll never go through this thing again. But how you respond to me is your choice. You can give me glory like the elders and you can bring me the sacrifice of praise which you can't bring in heaven. Or you can complain. So I chose to give him glory. I says, if I can't bring it, if he's not going to come back, then I'm going to give you praise to his last breath. 
And just before my son died, he said, Dad, teach me to pray. Well, he knows how to pray. I don't know whether the morphine or not, but he said, teach me to pray. So I led him through the Lord's Prayer, and he said the Lord's Prayer. And he said, thanks, Dad. Those were the last words he said. I looked down there, and he wasn't moving, so I moved him. He's gone. And I just give glory to Jesus. He's worthy. The who is more important than the why. I don't understand why my son died. I don't understand. I don't need to understand to follow and to obey. I don't need to understand to love. I don't have to. And that's one of the costs, that's one of the prices that's cost me and Jess to keep our eyes off the why and keep our eyes on the who. We've got, we don't know why, but when I go to heaven, we talk about a mystery box. All the mysteries in your life that God hasn't answered, we've got them in a sort of metaphoric box, figurative box. When we go to heaven, we're going to open it up and say, God, why this? Why that? Why this? We're going to open it up when we're in heaven, not on earth. While we're on earth, if we have to suffer, we want to give glory to God. We want our suffering to count because I'm not going to get a chance to suffer in heaven for Jesus, and neither are you. You only get one chance to suffer for Jesus, and suffering for Jesus is is the greatest honor that any human being can ever have. Not just serving Jesus, not just been granted to believe on him, but it's all been granted for us to suffer for him. <sighs> so how do you suffer? Well, you resist your flesh. That's suffering. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, read your Bible. Join the, join the resistance movement. That's the type of suffering. Just read your Bible. I don't want to go to church. Too bad. Let your flesh suffer. Do it for the glory of Jesus. Don't do it for you. Do it for the glory of Jesus. Well, I don't want to read my Bible. Well, too bad. Do it for the glory of Jesus. Feed your way to it, your spirit. Well, I don't want to pray. Well, too bad. Just pray. Do it for the glory of Jesus. Use that suffering for him. Find purpose in your pain and realize that suffering is an honor and suffering then becomes a joy. Oh, it becomes a joy. I don't hate James anymore. I understand what he means. Count it all joy, brethren, when you go through the crap. Now I know. Because when I'm going through the crap, I know if I bring glory to, if I, I say, Lord, I surrender to you, regardless of how I feel, I still love you. I mean, that brings glory to the Lamb. And when I go to heaven, closing, I, 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 this, is, this, isn't, this isn't a doctrine, okay? This is just my thinking. Just imagine if you've got a big basket, and, and that basket can be full of treasures that you, you bring to God in heaven. Times you've obeyed God and it's thrown in the basket. Times that you've resisted the flesh and followed the Spirit. Times when you've, you know, you, you, you've done something you didn't want to, you, know, you didn't feel like doing for Jesus, but you went ahead and do it. Well, that's recorded. Everything you do for the Lord, every good deed you do for Jesus, is recorded. You're going to give you a reward for it when you get to heaven. You understand that? So imagine you've got this big basket full of stuff of praise and stuff that will bring glory and honor to Jesus. When I go to heaven, I want to bring this big basket into heaven. I don't, I, I'm happy to get into heaven, but I want to bring a koha to Jesus. I want to bring a koha as a gift. I'm not trying to work my way into heaven. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. So I'm not trying to bring something into heaven by my own works, okay? It's not by any works of righteousness we are saved. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of his Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5. I understand all that. This is not about trying to earn my way to heaven. I want to bring something to God and lay at his throne as a a basket full of glory. Say, this is for you, Lord. This is all the times I suffered. This is all the time I went through crap. I still loved you and I still give you glory. And I could only suffer for you on the earth. Here it is, Lord. I want to bring a basket full of blessing and a basket full of suffering.
blessings that came out of suffering. What's your basket going to be look like? Empty or full? What are you going to take to Jesus when you stand before him? So next time you go through some pain, next time you go through some suffering, forget about yourself. Think about the glory it brings to Jesus when you choose to suffer for him. Even if it's going to church and it's raining. <laughs> oh, I have to drive across town. Oh, I'm so tired. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's something. It goes under the basket. <laughs> it goes under, maybe. I don't know. So do on earth what the 24 elders can no longer do. Do on earth what the saints in heaven can no longer do. They can no longer offer a sacrifice of praise to God. And one day you won't be able to either. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't whinge about your wise. Keep your eyes on the who. Get real. Stop over-spiritualizing everything. And if the God will, if the Holy Spirit wills, I will go to work. If the Holy Spirit wills, I'll get a job. For goodness sake, read your Bible. So if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. If the Holy Spirit wills, I'll go to church. Read your Bible. Don't neglect the gathering. We got to. Anyway, if you haven't re received Jesus into your life, even ask Christ to come into your heart, <clears throat> and you want to do that, just put your hand up. Just raise it. If you're backslidden, <laughs> if you're backslidden, you might realize, oh, I think I am backslidden after hearing that message. If you are, come on, be honest to God and honest to yourself. You owe it to Jesus. You don't owe it to me. Don't put your hand up for me. You owe it to Jesus. I owe everything to Jesus, and so do you. The only reason you're alive is because of his grace. And if you've been withholding from Jesus your best, then you need to repent of backsliding. I said, if you've been withholding from Jesus your best, you need to repent of backsliding. Okay? So listen to your heart, not your head, and just lift your hand up for me, for, for him. Do it. If you need to do that, do that. I love you, but I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to help you step into, out of your boat. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of this Western wishy-washy Christianity that talks about moving in power but never does, that talks about going but never goes. Come on, get out of that. Okay, shall we bow our heads and close our eyes and then put our hands up so no one can see? Nah, God bless you. God bless you, sweetheart. Anyone else? And it's not for me. If you need to, God bless you, bro. Come on, let's get real with God. God bless you. God bless you. Now, he sees your hand. So I've had to repent so many times. God bless. I have to repent so many times. I, I sometimes, most times I'm, I'm on Team Jesus side. Sometimes I slip into Team Norm. And I do my own thing. And then I'm not, oh, sorry, God. And I flip back over. It's no condemnation. I'm not guilt motivated. I'm not fear motivated. I'm love motivated to give Jesus my best. I love him more than me. But sometimes I end up loving myself more. <laughs> Anyone on the same boat? <laughs> yeah. And you forgive yourself because he's already forgiven you. And you just keep on moving. So many times I got drunk and I said to God, I'll never get drunk again. But I got drunk again and again and again. Smashed the car up, come home. I was in church one day with the dry horrors, <laughs> with communion. I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm such a loser. He said, no, you're not. He said, ask me to forgive you and I'll forgive you. Then take your communion. I said, really? He says, Really? Please forgive me, says done. Take your communion. Oh. I've failed God's more times than I lifts me up. 
His gentleness has made me great. I don't offer him my strength. I offer him my weakness. And if you're trying to be strong and think you're strong for God, you're going to fall. Just be real with yourself. You only stand because of the grace of God. And if you, you know, bring your weakness to God, he'll give you his strength. Every day, bring your weakness to God. Say, this is all I got. Here's my love. Final thing. Do you know one thing God doesn't own? Do you know what you can bring God tonight, tomorrow morning? One thing. What, what is one thing God doesn't own? Some might say your obedience. Well, yeah, besides that. Because I always wondered, why do you want my presence? Why do you want me to spend time with you? Why, Lord? You've got a thousand, billions of angels, trillions of angels. You've got all these creatures. Why do you need me? Why am I so important that you're waiting in the morning for me to come and spend time with you? You ever wondered that? When God's got all these angels, he's got all the, you know, he's got warriors, he's got, he's got the saints already, he's got Abraham, Isaac, all those dudes are already up there. So how would you miss me? Do you know what he misses? <laughs> Do you know why he, he misses you? Because you have something he doesn't own. Do you know what you have that he doesn't own? It's your love, your love. Who are you pouring your love out to? Him or yourself? That's the only thing he doesn't own in all of creation is your love. And he'll never force it. He'll never make you give you it. Just like I would never force my wife to love me. I never force my kids to love me. I never force my grandkids to love me. I just love them regardless. So, in closing, <laughs> closed. <laughs>